This is Swampside Chats, a podcast where every week communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, we take a long, hard look at the possibilities of cybernetic socialism. We examine two chapters from Towards a New Socialism by Paul Cogshot and Alin Cottrell. The chapters are 12 and 13, The Commune, and On Democracy. So, this is the latest installment of the uh, Not One Stem Back reading series. Uh, we're going to do an author. I've kind of been looking forward to this one. Um, it's got Two people have written this. Uh, it's two chapters from a book written by um, Paul Cockshot and Alin Cottrell. Um, I don't know as much about Alin Cottrell. Or is it Alan? It's spelled A-L-L-I-N. I don't even... I can't pronounce things. But, I'm gonna uh, go out on a limb and say it's Alan. I tried to do a little, a little uh, research into Alan uh, before, and I went to like his website, which is fascinatingly, like it looks like it hasn't been updated since they wrote this book in 1993. Um, <laughs> and in it, uh, the few things he has on it um, is a is a section on TEX, uh, which is a form of. And a long article where he basically argues against uh, like word and typical like word processing documents, and talks about oh, the yeah. because he talks about the virtues of TEX, which basically is almost like a Notepad like text program. Yeah, where you basically yeah, and then you export it. And at the beginning of this book, in about this book, basically says it was written using and published using that method, which might explain a few of the spelling errors. You know what, though? Like, so many really amazing books that I've read are written this way. Like, mm-hmm. e- like even in up to, like, um, God, I forget I forget what else it is, but the Communist Research Cluster-like things were are written in text. Like, that's how they put them together, and they, mm-hmm. like, synthesize them using Git, which, if you've ever, if you've never used it, is a, it's a kind of, like, inside baseball way to do something. Like it's mm-hmm. not very user friendly. It's what professional programmers use. So yeah. well, he's talking about like the the efficiency of writing that way. But then I look at like the how to use it thing, and it's like this long ass like it, like there's a oh, steep yeah. learning curve on this. Although I will say, as someone who basically does most of their writing in Notepad, I can't actually kind of appreciate the aesthetic. But it, I mean, Absolutely. it does give a sense of the kind of um, uh, STEM nerd crankery that you're in for with this book. Um, mm-hmm. And we should talk maybe a little bit about um, so Alin Cottrell. It's harder to suss out his contributions here right. um, because his presence, you know, he's not. He's basically not as present or vocal or or prolific as a writer. Um, mm. But Paul, I'll get, I got to get to Paul Cockshot. Paul Cockshot is kind of what you might call a problematic favorite of mine. <laughs> um, Paul Cockshot. Um, is kind of an ambiguous Stalinist, um, but yeah. it's it, it's it, it's he's basically part of like some sketchy like political groupings too, like in in England. I've heard I've heard some rumblings about that, but overall, I think that his ideas of about planning and so forth have been pretty profoundly influential on me and like thinking about 
socialism and how you would organize a society beyond capitalism. I would push back against like labeling him a Stalinist because it's clear that he, he, while he is coming from that tradition in a certain sense, he's more like a post-Stalinist. Right. Like the introduction is basically criticism of what he refers to as actually existing socialism and basically admitting that, you know, it was essentially a totalitarian totalitarian failure. Yeah, he is he is kind of one of like the one of the one of the handful of people to come out of that tradition that I have any respect for. Um and let's see. There's and there is kind of another caveat that might be particularly relevant to this podcast that I think probably also serves to like sketch a lot of people out on this guy, which is that he doesn't have what you would call the most progressive views on gender. <laughs> you could you could say that, Jake. You might even say that he's a massive phobe. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it would be one thing if he said an errant thing here or there, but no, he's a very committed, systematically transphobic thinker, and he's <laughs> he's done, put put it out on his blog in no uncertain terms. Um. Yeah. I think I think a lot of that stems from his very like. His, he is a he is a hardcore materialist, you know, like so much so, and he has this almost weird stem nerd thing where he has trouble dealing with those kind of like more abstract, um, mediated. You know what I'm saying? Like he like his critiques are very much sure. like, well, uh, you know, like women's biology is different, so there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's complete stem bro about it. It's sort of like a worst case scenario for like. Who, Someone that is on is a good analytical Marxist, like really, like um, like you gotta like respect the his engagement with computation and the literature and that kind of stuff. Um, but wow, the worst stem bro Marxist, yeah, imagine, yeah. I mean, it like it goes back to like he has this video series on like YouTube video series on empiricism that's honestly not the best because he conflates like greek atomism with modern scientific atomism which is like those are two different things well we'll, we'll, we'll get very, into very, we'll get into his antiquarianism in a bit <laughs> but yes yeah. uh but yeah he basically conflates the two and like his methodology is hyper empiricist and not Honestly, not even really Marxist. I, I'm just gonna be blunt here. He's not a Marxist in terms of his methodology at all. His conclusions, yeah, you can you can argue that he's a Marxist, and he doesn't. His materialism is very, 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 very crude, and science suffers from scientism to extreme degree. So, yeah. It, that just adds to like the weird transphobia. I mean, I'll say this though: what's fascinating about this? This was written in 1993, right? And in it, he made he and Cottrell make a hard case for central planning, um, which, um, in that period, uh, was not like the most probably historically opportune time to do so, right? Not the easiest now. Yeah, but what's interesting now with stuff like. People's Republic of Walmart, I actually feel like this thinking might be on the verge of going mainstream on the left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Um, We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so, 
where should we we should let's start maybe um with the two chapters we were asked to read specifically for this um the commune chapter 12 thank you lucas uh our bonapartist patron who had gave our our our, uh, listener chat a choice between two of them and they overwhelmingly selected this one so kudos so the commune and on democracy so let's start with chapter 12 on the commune um, so basically, this chapter, Hand Control, basically outline an idea for how you would basically rearrange uh, living situations and domestic labor under communism, or under socialism, I guess, as they would say. Um, mm-hmm. And in it, he kind of draws a little bit from the commune attempts in China, um, and but tries to project kind of it how you would do it like in a more advanced socialist society um and so let's see so the idea here is basically to replace the family <laughs> like they literally they literally just say that and part of that that also kind of like makes like his reactionary gender stuff so fascinating because here they're they're basically explicitly calling for a material like restructuring of uh worker living situations precisely in order to um, completely demolish the current like social reproductive norms. Yeah, what's frustrating and bizarre is that he's picking up a materialist feminist analysis from, I believe, Christine Delphi, like that he hints at in like chapter one, where he basically sees women as exploited and men as their exploiters, and so he buys into a species of a sex class argument, which you know I think honestly the radical feminists have like you know they have a solid point. Um, on, on these sort of, these sorts of things, but it only applies to like a, you know, specific types of like structures and to the, to the degree that he's like trying to transcend this, I have to say he's not just a regular foe, but he appears to be a, a, a proper turf then if he's picking up rad femme sex class analysis. Um, but one thing that's, one thing that's kind of interesting about, so he, the other thing he's trying to resolve here is the sort of atomization that's created by sort of urban life and by um, the way that work is organized in capitalist society. And so, you know, with this kind of commune proposal, you would basically be creating kind of almost like extended family units where domestic labor would be collectivized. So you'd have like a, in these like living units, you would have collective laundry, collective food preparation, mm. um, different like resources would be pooled towards leisure stuff. At one point, He's like, yeah, they could probably have a couple swimming pools and then a couple ponies for the children. <laughs> yeah, he, he says ponies. Says he definitely throws ponies in there. And he talks about how, you know, you wouldn't have things stratified by age. You'd have kids and old people and everyone in between kind of living in these commune units. Um, and they also talk about how the commune units would relate to broader society and how like the domestic labor of the commune would be integrated into the total social labor and remunerated amidst the total social labor of society and how individuals could sort of be both remunerated for their work within the commune and outside of it in production and how how that money would sort of be moved or not money but time shifts this might be a good time to talk about um, yeah, kind of the, a central component of their scheme here which is that Basically, building off of some things that Marx hinted at in Critique of the Gotha Program, so, which there's been a lot of debate. Okay, so in Critique of the Gotha Program, Marx basically talks about time chits. And there's kind of debate about whether he was critiquing the idea of time chits or 
putting it forward as a way that you would phase out money in in the transition to communism, right? Uh, I, I think, think it's, it's the latter. Fairly clear from Gotha, though, that Marx is in favor of some kind of labor voucher system forming the lower the basis for lower stage communism. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and th that's that's what they that's the presumption they have here. So basically, everything everything in the society, in order to have a unit of account, you would basically create money with um, labor time tokens, um, and then you would like what you you would basically withdraw or purchase quote unquote goods and services through labor time remuneration, um, and that's something that Marx actually picked up from. I think there was this utopian novel in the mid nineteenth century where they this guy invented the idea of like the credit card. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking backwards came after. Uh, I think looking backwards actually came after. Was it? Uh, 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 yeah, it's uh, Bellamy. Uh, yeah, Bellamy's looking backwards, and basically, like, it's about like the United, like a man, like just falls asleep for some reason in his chair, and he happens to wake up in. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Wakes up in future America that has like a weird socialist system where everything is nationalized and there's like superstores and they have a system of labor vouchers. But I, I think that came after Marx's critique of the growth of. Yeah, I'm looking. I, I looked. I looked it up. It does. I I might have had it. I might have had the timeline mixed up with something else. Yeah, it was. I I think it comes from Owen, specifically. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Nights. In uh, chapter two, eliminating inequalities, um, Cockshot quotes Marx defending Robert Owen's concept of labor money as not money at all, and basically this is his. I this is this comes to the idea of, of the labor voucher, and so the basic the basic idea the, the basic idea of the labor voucher is that you know, value, you know, is socially necessary labor time. It's this big average that's socially emergent that makes an hour of your work not necessarily actually worth an hour of your work. Um, and that's like a, a, a form of like implicit discipline is that average. Well, instead, these, these vouchers are supposed to reward you for an hour of your personal work to undermine this whole concept of exchange at value. And for Marx, this is like a transitional phase, like the first phase of communism until you can dispense with this as just, you know, receipts. And uh, another detail that's kind of important is that uh, it's not these labor vouchers don't really go in circulation per se. Like it's more like a movie ticket rather than like the way we use money now. So, Basically, right. you would like yeah. use it once to buy something. It would get like clipped, and then it would be gone. Yeah, they're uh, they're also non-transferable. Only the person who had the labor performed could use them, and they do not circulate. They can only be exchanged for direct consumer goods. These are the implications that Cockshot draws out in the in chapter two. He also says that they would not serve as a store of value. They could have a use by date on them. Although in later in later chapters he entertains the idea of socialist saving um, for like communes and stuff like that, uh, there there's a constant tension in his scheme where 
some of the, like, even though it seems like on paper he's respecting, you know, the Marxian, like, the letter of the law with Marx and, and the value form. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it right away, but there's all these opportunities for something like value to creep back in, it seems. I mean, maybe. I mean, the I even I, the place you could maybe see it there would be where he supposes that if there if there were labor shortages, there might be like relative differentials in terms of uh, remuneration for different tasks, right? So if there was something that there was a shortage of labor in, maybe like the labor tokens there would be at like a greater rate. So like one hour would count as one point five hours. Um, yeah. So there would there would be some level of fluctuation. I don't know if that would one hundred percent translate back. I mean. I, I feel like it would be hard in a Democrat because another key component of this, maybe we should pull it, get into this as well, is um, basically the idea of sortition and that oh, there yeah. would, you wouldn't – in this system that he's proposing, you wouldn't have uh, representative democracy. You would just have basically all, all councils and everything would be drawn by lot from random members in the population. Well, to a degree, if if an expert role is required, like in health, then there would be sortition within the health community. But then there would also be, I think he also says that there would be people who would also be drawn from the population on the, the council, too, to just kind of yeah, represent the no, broader that's, community. That's true as well. But, you know, uh, he ta- we should probably get into this more in depth, his, um, his idea of, of what modern democracy could look like. Right. Well, and like, but the, I guess the idea is... It's if if you had a system of democratic control in place, it's hard to imagine somebody going like, "Okay, this guy's uh, labor time tokens are worth four hundred normal person work hours." You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there would there but they, there would be some like level of fluctuations, but I think it would have to be sort of socially accepted and like put into kind of the broader like generalized plan of society. You know? Yeah, I don't want to go too far down my my doubts about this yet, but. The one that threw me for the loop the most was the possibility of um, labor credits in the commune not trading to labor credits in the nation to, and at the same rate. That's that's a direct possibility of reestablishing the law of value. But I don't know if that's you know I don't know if that's a fair read. We can get into it later. Yeah, I I think the communes are supposed to be a place of experimentation overall. That's like somewhat isolated from the rest of society somewhat to a certain degree like like, what like a 300 person kind of unit he says as low as 50 in some places yeah between like 50 and 300 people yeah and i think this is being inspired directly by mao the communes in china with mao Mm -hmm. he says Uh, that uh real socialism was only ever only ever happened in these people's communes I, I yeah this um I'm glad you bring that up Rosa because I started reading this section very excited to read about the commune as in Marx ideas here but instead we basically just get this kind of colloquial word commune um and to me you know I titled my notes on this whole thing mandatory jumpsuit communism yeah Um, that's i got a barracks commune barracks communism vibe from it too i i think there's such an affront to the commune as articulated by marx in part because they're also just an unnecessary obstructing bit of 
top-down engineering if you believe in the self-government of the producers, because as we saw in the Russian Revolution, workers were inclined in their own self-activity in a revolutionary situation to form communal kitchens, nurseries, and the like on their own terms. And I mean, it was when they were requisitioning the necessary supplies that they ran into conflict and conflict uh, with the red tape of these jealous committees because in the Soviet Union, the state was supposed to be the planner itself rather than a tool of administration that the proletariat actually ruled over by some point. And so I really, I think these are either unnecessary communes or obstructing what could really be done with a commune system if it is left to the free association of producers. I hard disagree. I didn't I didn't get a barracks communism vibe from this at all. I think he's trying to like imagine I think they are trying to imagine like a rearrangement of social life um in a, like non-capitalistic terms but in a way that's kind of practical, right? So you're 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 basically you're trying to create things that you're basically trying to create like actual communities, right? Because like in capitalism, we constantly talk about the community and the community, and but they said they say at the beginning like a community doesn't really exist around except around some kind of common activity, right? And so, yeah, I didn't get like a bearish communism vibe from this at all. I mean, it's not fully automated luxury communism either, but I think having you know more. So I don't know how much of this is a tangent, but I've been feeling lately how I've been thinking lately that kind of like. I used to kind of make fun of this stuff, but, like, the Adbusters critique of, like, consumerism, you know, that whole kind of, like... I mean, I feel like there's kind of a point to that stuff. And I do feel like, you know, there's a study that came out recently basically saying, like, the United States is, like, this mass addiction society, right? And I do think that kind of, like, directly ties to consumerism and, like, the poverty of, like, social relations in America, right? And, like, the whole the way the social structure was set up along anti-communist lines. And so what I think they're trying to do is sort of, like, imagine a more, you know, social socialism, you know. And so I I didn't get a barracks. I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's maybe it's not like fully automated luxury communism they're talking about here, but I think they're trying to imagine how domestic labor could be collectivized in a way that's practical and scalable. I suppose um the and I actually found the the effort to think about those things noble and I you know, I like that you know, I liked where Marx was quoted on labor vouchers here, um, but I, I think that the prearranged uh, system that we're that we're left with here has to do with, I think Marx's idea of labor vouchers and the way free associated labor works is is much different than this. I mean, it's tough to say because their thoughts on it were really underdeveloped. We don't really know what they thought. <laughs> like, they're, like it, everything, most of what they talked about in terms of communism and the transition was in the negative. And that's kind of a massive problem because historically movements have had to figure out how to create socialism, often in very unfavorable circumstances. And so I think the efforts to try and think this stuff through is actually pretty important. It's it's I guess what bothers me about it, you have to take it as a whole system. And, and I think when we get into the democracy section and let, let's not rush ahead there. But I think when we get into the democracy system, I might be able to articulate a bit better what um, what's bothering me here. Yeah, I I mean, I get what some of Grant is saying, but I also see like there is some value in the weird commune system in that like 
you can experiment with sort of new forms of life, uh, like provide examples of like, hey, this is a society without the family, because like in certain situations, uh, in certain parts of the world, like transition away from like the family system or what, whatever family systems that they have or whatever would probably be slower than others. Like I, I, I know this might sound orientalist, but I can't really imagine a, the people in China really taking to like a complete abolition of the family that well, given how much of like social life is structured around like the extended family and all that. Yeah. But as, as capitalism like rips the shit up, you know what I mean? Like that's, when something like that becomes more, more, you know, I mean, but there's an upper end limit to it. I mean, I, I feel like the, these ideas would be controversial in the United States. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just throwing China as like out as an example. And like, uh, there were times made in the Soviet union to sort of do these kinds of things of socializing child rearing and that, and they just ran into a problem of lacks, lack, lack of funding, just mm-hmm. a general lack of funding, like during this, during just the Soviet Union coming out of like a civil war and war and World War One is just not really having the funds to do like proper socialized child rearing and things of that nature. Um, so. Yeah, there's just the commune system allows to basically allows, you know, to have sort of like a pastry dish dish of like new forms of social life, I guess. I think one thing that's interesting, too, is how it talks about like the way like labor time remunerations would work and how it relates, how you sort of like relate to the domestic labor of the, of the commune to the broader, I guess they'd say like national or external economy. Um, which I think would be important to prevent these from being like sort of like weird cults or like utopia. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would having them be sort of like broad, tied to like the broader human material community through the sort of reciprocal relations. I think is probably pretty important as well. Yeah, that's his explicit intention. He even wants men to rediscover their military community. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> which you know, in a way, is is in the navy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's that, which is a weird, weird, you know, reactionary kind of way of of trying to talk about you know people defending themselves in a republican way. What is interesting is that I guess in the in the section on democracy, the fact that you know not everyone is a citizen was a, was sort of a footnote. But where, wait, where does it say that? Um, well, not everyone was a citizen in classical democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's just sort of in a footnote, right? Which I think is um, I don't know. I guess I just, I have a bad taste in his mouth because in one of his like the 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 reason that I thought that he wasn't like a feminist at all was because he said some things that made me think that he approved of the reversion away from you know, Bolshevik experimentation towards, like, Stalinist, like, you know, embrace of the family. Which mm. seems at odds with what's going on here. Seems at odds, but I know well, not may- to expect. I mean, what's maybe, I don't know, I'm just trying, because I, I was skimming some of his articles, like, on gender or whatever. 
I'm trying to find like the point of it. I Thank really you for doing it, but... that emotional labor. Yeah. Um. I, but I think I wonder maybe if for if for him, part of his aversion to you know th- this kind of like contemporary like identity politics stuff or gender stuff in particular is because he basically sees it as mm-hmm. not like attacking like he basically argues there needs to be like a fundamental shift in the material base of society and that's those are the changes that are important and all this other stuff right. is just uh like you gen- know as uh as mac might say some liberal bullshit <laughs> well and right. that, that just seems to assume too like and this is one of the things that you know, rigid forms of feminism do is it assumes that the socialization process is this one-off transmission from generation to generation where everything capitalism wants to inscribe on you happens perfectly. And so trans women are like, you know, actually like perfectly constructed male subjects just kind of lying, right? And and there can be no kind of backfiring if there's a quote unquote material basis. And I think that's one of the things that makes um, these emphases on social reproduction dangerous because they right. seem to deny human subjectivity and the ways that um, these gender norms can backfire in individuals. Yeah, yeah, because the complications of identity can cause people that have you know i mean like let's you know bio you know, people have biological urges to like reproduce and then or to like follow along a certain pattern and there's like a there's an encoded destiny and some a symbol can cause somebody to change their behavior and patterns their hormone like you know distribution they're like just from the way like i don't know just just from like how someone takes the same material process. People are complex enough where something that starts as a sort of sense of self and identification, like, like an interpretation of your place in a social structure, like can become a material change. Right. It's also sophisticated. uh, Yeah. Right. It's also very unstrategic from like a basic, you know, sort of like, political standpoint for like a radical feminist to be against trans women because it's basically okay even if you don't really view them as women you have like a bunch of men who want to join your side essentially you want to become essentially allies to your like struggle against masculinity against you know this sort of patriarchal social norms and you're just going to be like oh but they're really men Mm-hmm. You de- well, not, you're not, describing yeah. a lot of liberal feminists, honestly. A lot of liberal I mean, feminists just kind of see it that way. I don't know how deep we want to go down this rabbit hole. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, I mean, they're because I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what their reasoning is. Like, I mean, he's sort of like like I, people have pointed out to him. I think I've seen on like online exchanges how the same thing he's saying about like trans people they're they're antisocial because they don't have kids or whatever. Like you could you could apply that same logic to gay people, and he kind of does. <laughs> no, he kind of uh, does. Well, so, the, but it's it and it's it's also kind of similar to how he you know he's very like anti-sex worker because he sees them as like lumpen proletariat who are like basically parasites on productive members of society. Neat. And it's almost like he there's this weird sense mm-hmm. where it's like because because these are the social roles that capitalism. How this is how capitalism distributes um, 
the reproduction of the class to the working class because you're not engaged in that you're some kind of freeloader you know like that seems to be his his reasoning yeah the 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 most puzzling thing he said about trans women is that that they're that were <laughs> that were men trying to escape the like the responsibility towards children which is the most interesting thing to me because uh, who is it? I'm like, pretty sure all you have to do is go out and get a pack of cigarettes and never come back if that's what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? No, but like trans women end up taking on the mark of the femme, which is all about like, oh, good. You could perform a bunch of reproductive labor for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's how this works, right? Like, that's we're we're basically, in, you know, in a way. But we're, you can't it, have kids, though. That's the thing. Well, that's what they say. But then you end up take. I mean, really, a lot of trans women end up taking, you know, adopting or taking care of other people's kids in precisely this communal way that breaks down the nuclear family that Cockshot claims to be. Yeah, in but favor. You're not, you're not, because you're not producing new units, you decline right. the right race. Well, right. By no, the, making fewer. No, and that is explicit. That's really. That's really where he's coming from. It's really. I, a, I actually a, a don't know what that is, but no, no, <laughs> I mean, it, no, no, no. That's that. Those are the arguments that I saw him making on Facebook. I don't know if that that makes it to his blog, but yes, it was a it was a sort of Stalinist productivist line on the family, which is complete. It just seems at odds with this commune thing. But what if it's not? Considering he's using the Chinese people's communes as his model, you know, like what if there's some kind of massive distortion going on? Cause all right, full disclosure, I'm in like some kind of weird Marxian economist turf war between like people, no, no pun intended. Um, but you know, like trying to, trying to like redo a model that one of Cockshot's followers did of climate or something like that. And I'm pretty sure something's being misrepresented and it's, I don't want to speak with authority cause I'm not done yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're just right. And I don't know yet, but, um, but there's, there's just, there's, there's something going on here. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's some like bait and switch stuff that I'm not comfortable with here. And I, if, if you don't mind me going back to this, I don't know if anyone read the, the preface, like, you know, where he, he basically justifies calling the Soviet union socialism. Hmm. Right, right. And I thought that was really interesting because I definitely think that the Soviet Union had these like non-mode and peri-capitalist type aspects. And he's willing to just go, oh, yeah, if you just sprinkled a little democracy on that, that would have been fine. Well, well to be to be more charitable, I don't know if he says that. Well, let, we can um, we can hold on. Let me see. I mean, because he, he talks about the sort of transition from Stalin to the Brezhnev era. And the sort of the stagnation that's set in that way, and I, I don't like he. I think he actually goes against the idea that you could like parachute in like a IT infrastructure and be able to do planning. Like he seems to recognize that there was a sort of historical continuity that it was you know, like I mean he does definitely he does he does go hard on democracy could have been could have could have actually resolved these problems, but where would you introduce it in history is the question you know. So so here's the thing is that. He claims the Soviet Union is socialist because of how it distributes surplus product on pure like political economy grounds, on like historical materialism grounds. You can't say basically essentially because it's it's because it's not capitalist in so in so many words, because you can't say it's really capitalist that um, 
you know, it's it's a different mode of surplus extraction. It, this is, so it's basically socialist. He says somewhere that Marx wanted this to be democratic, but aside from that, it's basically Marxian socialism. Um, but then he, uh, which, okay, so something something that Marx thought is essential is missing. Something that Marx thought is essential is missing, but it's but politically, economically speaking, okay, you know, we're just gonna say it is, right? And then, and then he says later on that the Stalin cult was central to the Soviet mode of extraction of a surplus product. So he's making the claim, more or less, that this socialist structure, the, the structure could be socialist, just that, like, in, instead you had a Stalin cult that became the driving force of the mode of production that substituted for democracy. That when you took away the Stalin cult, you didn't have democracy, and then also you removed the ability to do um, like I like forced labor or like you know uh, skill rents to incentivize people. That that's why you had this this shit after Brezhnev. Yeah, I feel I mean, like just desperately trying to like hold on to like some kind of you know, hey, you know this this could have gone better, I guess, or something like that. I, I don't. Well, I, I mean, actually, I'm actually not that uncomfortable de- describing the USSR as socialists. Like, I, I mean, I think if if you talk about socialism in terms of basically an effort to transition to to communist society, you could say that the USSR was a failed form of socialism. I think uh, the o- maybe not for the same reasons. The, the he only says he- well, the only way that I can accept that this is socialist is specifically as non-Marxian socialism. Specifically, as never ever going to end up in communism ever. Specifically, as a as a form of like, as a form of socialism that Marx was fighting. If we're going to call this socialism, this is like this is the not this is the kind of socialism Marx was criticizing. Yeah, well, the I mean, Soviet Union. Yeah, it's not good, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, no. I, 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 I can, I can accept that, but I, but you know. I mean, I think this is honestly mostly a semantic argument. Yeah, it uh, is. I, don't th- I, think it, I think it goes back no, to Buckshot's comfort. It, it, it is really a semantic did. argument. There's like, socialism is, is an ambiguous category. Yeah, no, Marx, Marx yeah. referred to a whole bunch of things that he did just utterly opposed to socialists. He talked about feudal socialism. Uh, you know, this just right, but Cockshot calls it Marxian socialism, and then he goes and says, "I think he really is just trying to have it both ways, and that's why we have two opinions here." Is that he says it's Marxian socialism, and that if it was democratized, it would be better. But he also says, "Here's my proposal for a completely different political economy that doesn't have money," and so right, you can't right, really right. you can't really square those things. Wait, well, why? It, it, yeah, no, no, he, I, I think, I think you can kind of, like, the things that he says, I kind of like where he goes, but I'm so uncomfortable with where he starts that, like, because where he goes is, all right, look, that was a legitimate form of Marxian socialism. However, what we're going to propose is, you know, essentially democratic in a way that this wasn't, um, and that this is also a form of Marxian socialism. So I I have no idea why he feels the need other than his weird style, like residual something. There's something going on there. I don't know what it well, is. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be this week. I'm putting on my Captain Charitable hat. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna no, and I'm gonna good. say no. Like this was written like 
immediately like after in mid after the collapse of the USSR. You know what I mean? Like, it, how do you not talk about it? Well, no, and to be fair, he's not one of these like. It's really re- it is refreshing to read someone that isn't like, oh man, Lenin and Stalin. You know, super different. He yeah. he just in the same breath talks about Lenin and Stalin, which I think is a little you know it's worth teasing apart the Lenin and Stalin periods, but he's just no problem being like, yeah, Lenin and Stalin were dictators. I'm not talking about like, I, I don't think that's good. <laughs> like he, he just says that. And, and yet he seems more comfortable with it than anyone. I, I don't think he calls Lenin a dictator though. He does in, um, in the section on democracy when he's differentiating between dictators, he's like, do we mean dictators in the sense that Lenin and Stalin are dictators? No, of course not. Marx didn't mean that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a weird thing where he kind of like goes to Aristotle and it's like, see, Aristotle said this is what democracy is, so checkmate liberals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh... Well, I think demo- the section on democracy is where I really decided this was mandatory jumpsuit communism, because imagine in practice, you know, let me backtrack. I don't oppose planning. If capitalist market society is the basis of the capitalist state, though, then communal society is the basis of the communist quote unquote state, if you want to call it that. The situation doesn't reverse so that we can plan the economy for the workers out of the state. Socialism isn't and can't be planned out of the state. Planning is the result of the new organization of labor. But anyway, but, but, to go but, back, he, let he, me just... Yeah, but planning at certain levels has to be central in the sense that you're planning like for the system as a totality, right? Well, right. The, so, commune, the commune takes on administrative um, labor, and so the commune is not a non-state. It's an anti-state in a certain sense. But I, So that's why Marx doesn't say, oh, the state is abolished. It's gone right away. It, it withers. But I, I wanted to say on democracy, though, that just imagine in practice when the party mandates you come to such and such committee meeting, quote unquote, drawn by lot. Mm-hmm. The draw by lot actually undermines the whole basis of communist society and why I think a labor voucher system isn't dystopian at all. Why I think a labor voucher system is really the lower stage of communism and really works as that. It's it's undermines free association of labor because it's the very situation that society doesn't have state incent- state compulsory mechanisms that social planning is incentivized by freedom of labor rather than conscription by the state that makes it effective. Freedom to move about production, to acquire your share how you wish, doesn't cancel out the need for production to supply for everyone. And so it renders it a social self-interest for everyone to make sure that the relations of production are conducted in a way where the most labor-intensive and unpleasant and time-consuming work requires the best in-job conditions, the most abundant share of the total social stock, in order for people in society to freely devote themselves to those tasks. So basically, how hard things are when you don't have a state becomes an organizing principle if the economy is based around free labor. And so I I just think that because, you know, in his democratic section, there's this draw by lot. I think that says a lot about the the whole system of state planning that he's setting about. Wait, wasn't drawn by lot supposed to be just for like representative boards and, and, and councils and shit like that? That is labor. 
Yeah, but and it's... Not treating it as labor, I think, is part of the problem that creates that administrative like apparatus not being ruled over by the proletariat. I mean, could you like, um, could you like be like, nah, I don't want to? I mean, I think in the lower stage of communism, you're going to have like moments where you're going to need someone to be there, and it's not really going to be an option. I mean, like, but... you're still. I mean, like, I, one thing I wanted to revisit before we read this, what I forgot was, uh, I know he had a, like a kind of debate in the Weekly Worker with Mike McNair over the question of sortition, and McNair went like hard against it. Very I interesting. Think, I think because he was basically arguing that the working class needs to have like within its institutions a certain amount of continuity as is rising as a power. I haven't read that shit in a minute, but uh, yeah, if memory serves, they kind of went head to head. Um, I mean. I have my own problems with direct democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very spe- like, just like in terms of like empowering like certain sections, like just certain sections of the population that are kind of reactionary that probably do not need to be empowered in certain situations. Like for example, let's say it's kind of the reason why, like in the United States, states' rights. You you was a dog whistle for like segregation, or it could be for gay ma- against gay marriage. Yeah, I don't think like sortition is actually like the magic bullet for guaranteeing democracy that he claims it is here. Um, like I think I I mean I think like sortition like probably definitely has its place. Like it makes sense to have like you know juries be selected. I mean, it, and, and I do think that if sortition was implemented like tomorrow as like a representative thing that would be an objective like improvement on what currently exists um but he definitely does kind of portray like if they just had sortition in the soviet union if they had sortition and good computers like i mean he doesn't say that 100 percent, but that's kind of you could, you could take right. that away from this right and couldn't why not instead of needing you know if there is a part of production why would we have just, to sortition people just if, go to jury can... duty grant just go to jury duty, okay? If there's a, if there's a part of production that we can't incent, like, give people more labor notes. Make it more interesting to do right. that task. Well, but, I mean, but there are lots of ways to incentivize rather than compulsorize production. I mean, sortition doesn't necessarily mean that I, I – they don't say explicitly that it means you have to go, does it? I mean – No, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He doesn't really have – the thing is with incentives for labor, he doesn't really have that great of incentives. Like, yeah, labor vouchers ultimately improve, create a better incentive for labor than like uh, just regular money under capitalism because it gives you more labor. It gives you more in terms of like back for the l- amount of labor that you do, even though there's still like taxes, which is kind of weird, but you know, whatever. Right. Um, but like, what he suggests for incentives for like you know getting people to do actually good work beyond labor vouchers is like a weird grading system or that doesn't really mean anything yeah that that stuff almost sounds like paracon shit yeah it's like you, you get a you get an a for being good at work you know a little smiley face sticker <laughs> i mean uh, uh I I actually, like, uh, when I was doing notes on this a while back, I actually came up with, like, a little dumb system thing called uh, 
actually social credits is probably a really bad name because like people think think of like what there is in China, but basically what you would have is like a secondary monetary system that would be used to buy uh luxury goods that aren't necessarily luxury goods that are some you know just luxury goods and basically you would get like a certain amount for doing like tasks that are kind of hard or like necessary but you would get you would be paid in this sort of secondary uh monetary this sort of secondary currency so reddit reddit gold basically well, yeah, and lots of labor voucher systems have a kind of differentiation made between a kind of basic labor time voucher and non-basic labor time vouchers. I have, you know, objections and questions about that, but that that does feature in 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 a lot of these schemes. Um, for me, I, I I think that as communist society progressed, we would want to be undermining the current way we view things as needs or the the idea of needing we our, our idea of need would be expanded into what's now considered luxury in some ways so i have my qualms with you know this the, the kind of secondary vouchers but i also rosa think that that's um that's really worth considering and, and is you know in many yeah. schemes well i actually think like in a high communist society like having things would wouldn't signify anything so you really would lose a lot of consumers impulse and you would have i think the star trek future where people sort of like focus on what they're doing with themselves as opposed to like accumulating shit you know yeah that would right. be the self-development long... yeah and that would be the long-term goal and essentially a major part of like why cockshot pushes the labor voucher system is that in create it creates this incentive of planners to use less labor in the process of creating things essentially by making it more expensive than like money is now so for example like the most unpleasant tasks like that are labor intensive would basically need to be like pushed back somewhat or or, or either like cut down upon or like more automated and this would create this would create an incentive for automating things and or just generally avoiding like harder labor overall within the system. That's another thing he does say about the Soviet Union. I don't know if he says it here, but I've heard him I've heard him argue that because the Soviet Union he actually argues that there are points where the Soviet Union had the capacity to reduce labor hours and they never, never did. And that's another sign that they weren't progressive, basically. Yeah, he also uh he also like uh basically links back like the sort of like technological inefficiency of the soviet union uh technological problems that it had in terms of innovation back to like basically not creating an incentive for innovation with labor in particular because labor was so cheap uh one last point uh in like a more recent video it talks about like you know, the things that would need to be done under, like, a climate change sort of, like, socialist gov uh, a socialist society within, like, Europe dealing with climate change. Yeah. And, like, a number of... And, like, there's, like, a number of things that he suggests cutting back on in terms of, like, you know, cars uh, and a number of other things. 
Well, he basically he he indicate. Well, I actually watched that video, and he says that because, um, basically going a hundred percent green would require like hi- like basically hydrogen energy to be used for industrial production, and that's way less efficient than other forms. So you'd ha- pretty much by necessity, if you went completely carbon neutral, you'd have to way like basically air travel would get more expensive, steel production would go way down, international shipping would go down, you know, um, but. Um, he, I think he also says in that video that, like, this is the, like he basically says that if civilization is gonna have to, is gonna survive, it's either gonna have to go socialist or some kind of aggressive form of state capitalism to implement these changes. Otherwise, it's all fucked. Right. Um, yeah. But basically, that creates a situation where certain like goods would become luxury because of like limited li- the limitations on transport and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm would become increasingly a problem i guess yeah i mean he also indicates everything's gonna become more unstable because cereal production globally is set to decline and uh when there's declines like that there's famines so but uh anyway um did we have anything more to say on this text in particular um do we really cover communes that well like do we go do we, i think so we broke into the commune I mean, we could sit. We could sit here and go through his like accounting schemes, but I don't know how entertaining that would be. Yeah, no, honestly. that doesn't sound like. All right, all right, every, all right, all right, fam. Let's talk tables. Okay, let's here talk we go. Tables. So, uh, one point twelve point one. Okay, this isn't from Alpha to Omega. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what? So, what? Did, was there anything else to say on this text in particular, or do we just want to talk about? So, uh, sh- you know, talk about the cock. <laughs> shoot the shit about the cock shot Sh- shot the shot the cock um did we read any of the other chapters because i mean this is a fairly big important book right like, i think so about it being a big important book i will say a friend of mine when i mentioned i was reading this asked how many articles do you think are titled towards a new socialism <laughs> No, oh, this yeah. this was definitely like a there was like a certain era of like towards a was like a oh uh, yeah yeah it, it it cockshot is really not an inspiring writer he's a very clear writer mm-hmm. but he's he, he's not he's not good with the you know the beautiful language or prose or anything like that. Okay, so any other any other thoughts on this? Like I said, I mean, again, I think with stuff like. I do actually see this kind of potentially going mainstream, like on the left. So I'm sure they'll find a way to fuck this up. Not that it's perfect as it is, but I mean, his his overall, like, I feel like I don't know. I'm sure there's like good reasons to be skeptical of us, but Mm -hmm. the radical democratic tradition, from you know being a a politics nerd and and you know looking back to the sort of ancients for inspiration, is like not the worst approach that you could do like if if you care if you care to try to design proletarian institutions like there's something about this that is a bit it's a bit utopian it's it's not what marxists are are supposed to do but i do think it's sort of a necessary thing to do and especially as we're saying he's writing in the 90s um and he's writing as you know they're writing writing as computer scientists right um, mm-hmm. understanding the kind of processing power that isn't quite abacus and, you know, paper now. Right. Well, and, and, and I'll say understands this. understands mass voting could happen. I don't... 
I don't have like the intellectual pedigree or training to actually like analyze their equations or go in depth on any of that stuff. But I will say more than anything else, I like the kind of thinking they're doing here. Yeah. Um, I, I can't I, I can't defend all their formulations and don't really want to. Same. But I do I think I think this kind of thinking is absolutely necessary. And I do think he makes a great case for time chits. He makes a great case for central planning. And um I think that those are probably and honestly even like more like direct democracy as a you know as, through like I think it makes a pretty decent case for sort of maybe not across the board like he's saying here but I think it's definitely like a, a useful way of thinking about how representation could work you know in a broader proletarian society trying to transition to a higher uh, social order um, yeah so I think I think there are, I think broadly speaking there are some good takeaways here and I think it's interesting you know again like I mentioned at the, at the top of the show with like the People's Republic of Walmart stuff, I think this stuff might actually get more traction um, as time goes on. And people, especially with climate change and how people see the absolute like material necessity for human survival of having an, a totalized integrated social plan, not only to equalize social relations amongst people, but to address like the metabolic rifts between man and nature. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Paul Cockshot has like, a small amount of influence in China because he was like published in like a Chinese like uh, academic journal and is engaged in debates in China from what I remember and the sort of like economic planning is kind of like coming back in China I guess in vogue yeah. with like the one capitalist that like talked <laughs> about it oh yeah I think Cockshot talks about that too like Jack Ma or whatever and I guess he I guess <laughs> That the guy whose face like looks like the Chinese like version of like the Photoshop Charlie Kirk face, you know what I'm talking about? Like his oh, face, man. I don't know. His like his face, he has like this wide head around like a very small face. It's really bizarre. Yeah, but it's the, uh, the I know, most punchable face. I know. I think like yeah, somehow more punchable than Bezos. Uh, but anyway, like like Cockshot basically claims that that dude said in an interview that like. Uh, using kind of the stuff they developed at like Chinese Amazon, I forget what it's called. Like they, like they could probably like plan the, like the broader like Chinese economy, and like but the Chinese stores are like, please don't say that in public. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh wow, I do forget what that's called. Yeah, yeah, it's Alibaba. Alibaba, that's the one. Really, like in terms of productive forces, you know, never been better. You know, yeah. Bye bye Abacus. You know. Like, yeah. hello, central planning. Now, on the other hand, in terms of relations, um, yeah, society fucked. and politics have kind of fallen apart. Yeah. Still living in a society. Yeah. Only yeah. technically. Um, I'm, I kind of can't believe that he engaged with, like, Radfem thought as much as he did. Um, that's pretty consistent with, like, taking on, you know, Marx and Engels within like an analytical like context like if you really look at it you know like this is something you can like you would have to care about like and especially in terms of exploitation i think like i think overall the it it's it's hard from like an analytical perspective to understand why like in primitive communism like you know the way reproductive labor would have worked isn't class you know like isn't like a kind of sex class and um i was i was kind of I'm I'm a little just disturbed by how good this book is and what a crank this dude is. You know what I mean? Like, and how these things could coexist, how my thought could be similar to this guy's at all. Um, 
you know, it, it tells you a bit about how modular things can be in terms of thinking. Like you can really develop part of it and then have it right next to something that is maybe not so not so developed or maybe developed in the wrong direction in the case of his. Well, I mean, you know, like we don't need to think about people as people as like fucking gurus. You know what I mean? No, of like, course. But like you'd like to think that. See, the thing is, like we kind of look for consistency in thinking. We want to see like because if someone can entertain some kind of crazy shit, like it undermines a sort of sense of their judgment. And I know that's not really, I know people are better at some things than others and it's, it's yeah. not really that simple, but like, you know, it makes one wonder about someone's other judgments if they have an incredibly questionable opinion. Right. But isn't it also possible to be like, you could be a super intelligent computer programmer and then think Manchester bold bug is a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know? of course. So, I mean, like, there are different areas of intellectual competence. Now, granted, this stuff, because it's we're talking about stuff that's maybe more integrated. Yes. Um, yeah, no, because he's, you know, making a he's – trying, he's trying to do, like, a feminist, like, commune thing here, you know. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to trans women in his, in his feminist communes? Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a fair question. Yeah. I mean – They're going to the front lines. <laughs> well, it sounds like the commune would be something you would, like, apply to form, so it wouldn't be, like <laughs> – some like government bureaucrat from the Politburo like comes to your neighborhood and says, "Okay, you people are commune now." Uh, oh yeah, the, the weird we, marriage comment about how to how to form right. like communes, like it's like right, forming so, a marriage. Yeah, All right. We're, we're registering our polycule with the government. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I um with uh, I I feel like that's supposed that sort of like division between like you being a scientist and you like investigating in like other fields study, you know, like liberal art, like any, anything in the liberal arts is supposed to be overcome with cybernetics. You know, the whole point of cybernetics as a research program was to over, was to find like laws that were binding all sciences, like from social mm. to hard, quote unquote, hard sciences together. And, um, you so know, yeah, so it's kind of like that. Alcatra is a cybernetician, cybernetician, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, this. So that reminds me of uh, Stratford Beer. This bears the influence of Stratford Beer, which is that's another cybernetician that we're going to read. Um, that was another generous Bonapartist. Actually, two generous Bonapartists have conspired to make us read an entire work by uh, Stratford Beer. So he's also into this, like this ability for technology, you know, dem productive forces to open up new horizons of democracy and like for e-sortition and e-voting to be a thing. Yeah. Well, I think Stratford is actually sort of opposed to direct democracy per se. Uh, oh, is that right? Pardon me. Yeah, no, it's not exactly direct democracy. It, it's kind of a weird thing, but essentially there was, okay. in uh, with CyberSynth, there was supposed to be, like, a system in which, like, uh, you would have, like, sort of, like, ideas just get floated out through, like, televisions, and, like, you had a little knob on the television, and it would go, you would, like, go, like, green or red, and you would, like, turn the knob if you approve green. If you go red, you disapprove, and... 
you know, you would just have like people just go out there, float an idea. It's kind of direct democracy, but at the same time, it's not as direct as Paul Cox shots. And on some level, I really wish it. It's it's kind of similar to a weird thing that that was in the Obama administration where people could just propose ideas. And if it got like enough signatures, the president was supposed to like consider it. But that thing never really worked out i i have i just have a lingering sense about this text because of all the things that we're like picking at like in the in the general i don't know this is a very unsystematic thought this is a really just a feeling that there's a kind of vagueness to this text that you know you have a guy that's going, of course we don't want a totalitarian dictatorship dystopia. I mean, of course, we all know that. But then he describes something that could that could describe, you know, Marxian lower phase socialism, but could also describe something else. And I, I guess that's what you all were talking about, like jumpsuit communism. <laughs> like with like barrack you know, barracks communism and, and such. Like I wanna like substantiate this skepticism a bit because i'm feeling it but you know in the text like it's if you give it a charitable read it's really not so bad like but what what is it about this text that is anything but unqualified why aren't we just glowing about this what's the issue uh well because a lot like his part of it is the strength and weakness of it is that the proposals are very specific Right. And so, you know, you don't really know how it's how how it would work 100 percent if it was live. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we the other thing is there's a certain amount of epistemological skepticism just because we can't verify everything he's claiming. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And in, and in fact, the, I have a bit of epistemological sourness because I, I think there, I'm in the middle of discovering that he might, you know, might have been in the, he might have been wrong about something. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the I mean. At least those are the two things for me. That so it's like the broad. I appreciate the, the what he's trying to do or what they're trying to do. Two people wrote this. Yes. Um. And and I I I appreciate this kind of thought and some of the broader takeaways. But I don't want to get like married to his exact blueprints. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But I agree with what you're saying that this kind of thinking overall is uh, look. When I say analytical Marxism, it's exactly what I want. Like this guy went to you know great lengths to learn fucking computer science or whatever so he could present this you know model of central planning and then you know he goes he dips into aristotle to do a grounded like uh political typology fucking whatever you know great like i want i want i like and i you know what i like tax i like latex it looks great all right so like mm -hmm. <laughs> so i don't know like it is sort of a model and and you and it's relatively accessible relatively accessible as well, well well, and we also, you know, because some of us are friends with him on Facebook, we also see his hella sketch opinions and other things, or some of the weird, <laughs> the weird groups he was with, and so it's just like, okay, you it's know. a miracle this didn't come out as fucked up as it could have, right? Co so, Cotrell, and like I said, Cotrell's a boss. Yeah, maybe he's really like he's like the nice one. I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean that's. Like I said at the beginning, this is profoundly influential in my thinking. Like this got me really thinking about like central planning and labor tokens <coughs> as like and more 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 on like 
having an integrated like planned economy was probably the big the biggest takeaway and shift in my thinking that I got out of this guy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like I said, this is hugely influential on me, and I again, I actually reading it or and skimming through different parts of it that because I've read this before, like. Reading parts of it, I was surprised at how well it held up, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'll take um, this over the market socialists. I'll take this over people that are just counselists. I'll take I'll yeah. take it over people that... Well, like, Paracon and this have a lot of similarities and are basically the same kind of second-wave analytical Marxists. So they, they have, like... Mm. There's, like, a compound critique. You can make of both of them, which is interesting. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm with them as far as that goes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll take them over. Like, uh, I mean, well, this is supposed to be like socialism in one country kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty. Sp- so th- you know what? Th- that's something we didn't read, but it's true. He is for socialism in one country, and that's like the model that we have to. There we go. We were we were looking for what we were uncomfortable with, and the structure the structures of the nation are still intact. Right. Well, I think it's interesting. I talk so how about you. Well, I mean, I think he is kind of naive about how you would trade with like outside societies. I think there would probably be an imperialist blockade. Yeah, that was um, that's like, how are you going to enforce that shit anyway? Yeah, I mean, that that was weird. Um, but we I didn't reread that. So I didn't want to get into that in this episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, that I think McNair is much better on this where he talks about how you would if you were there, but there might be not a global revolution at first, but maybe like a continental block that mm-hmm, right. goes socialist and, and it would just have to be a big enough space that it could function self-sufficiently and hold out from invasion. Um, so you could like maybe not a socialism in one country, but maybe one socialism in one very large global territory, you know? Right. And um, so maybe you can apply cockshop thought to a, a, a continental whole instead of a fucking nation, but you would still need like subgroupings or whatever. And I guess that's right. where cockshot could be like aha you see like well i remember their their exchange was very friendly like cockshot wrote into the weekly worker is that right and yeah well and like uh, like cockshot basically talked about how like mcnair thought he basically characterized it as neo kautskyist mm-hmm. but he goes but uh kautskyism would be a significant improvement from where the left is right now so it would be <laughs> it would, that would be progressive uh i remember so that w- what i really feel like cockshot has in common and okay maybe i don't trust this guy that talks out of both sides of his mouth on stalin on democracy maybe i don't but Mm -hmm. like he he tries to give some kind of answer to mcnair's question of like okay look the the councilists were right about the question but not the answer what's the proletarian way to structure something you know what i mean and this is some kind of blueprint towards that end like um Mm -hmm. you know he gives a reason why the Soviet state model, the council state, was is not going to work. That that part was very interesting. Um, he, you know, I vastly prefer this kind of thinking over people who just defend everything Lenin did, or something, or or defend the the dictatorships. Like the, he seems to really just relinquish that for the at least as far as the book goes, even though he never drops his sympathies. Uh, it's not part mm-hmm. of his argument. Um, yeah, but like the the framing it as socialism in one country starts to give you a sense of what's really go what's really kind of maybe problematic about it. It also comes through with his political strategy too, because like essentially to get to this point, what he proposes is like 
uh, uh, alliance between the proletariat and like uh, just national bourgeoisie, like na- national bourgeoisie. Where is this? Again, like financial cap. It's it's it it's in a YouTube video. I'll link it, but basically that, and they would institute like a regime in which like like labor like the amount of labor that's coming in is generally cut off and it's sort of it's kind of a weird auditurkey thing from what i remember i was just like yeah does doesn't he have bad uh, like like immigration politics too yeah he has a really bad immigration politics yeah yeah i i can find the video but basically his strategy is like that block would essentially just like work through electoral politics to take over he doesn't really have like a concept of revolution even it's it's weird because it's weird because he makes a crack about um you know representative democracy which he call you know he calls he calls this whole idea of you know representative democracy basically double speak like you can't have this like that's you know contradiction in terms like representation is a form of oligarchy and um he punctuates this point by saying that you know like elect electoral representation creates a and even more or less says an alienated political sphere where politics is the domain of politicos and so he almost sounds like an anti-politics person for the purpose of yeah no i was gonna re- i was gonna read that yeah. and, get, and be like see see grant see well but here's the thing like is that i think everything that he's i think a lot of what he's saying is sound you know i don't know the details about sortition or whatever um, but um, but I, I just have a problem with Marxists talking about democracy because I, I kind of in- instinctively at this point like start to not trust when even people come up with good like formulations for democracy. But there's, you know, I don't know. Let me let me give you a quote here that, um, from the democracy chapter that I think might get at why I was really needling about the jury and the lot system and all of that. Quote, for economic planning, we envisage a system in which teams of professional economists draw up alternative plans to put before a planning jury, which would then choose between them. Only the very major decisions, the level of taxes, the percentage of national income going towards investment, health, education, would have to be put to direct popular vote. End quote. So, you know, I'm not thinking that everything is decided in by popular vote in the commune administrative system of Marx. But here, very clearly, we have these, you know, this division of labor where you have these professional economists drawing up plans for a jury by lot. And he says that, quote, a system of democratic control over all public bodies would mean that at some time in their lives, citizens could expect to be called up to serve on some sort of council. And I just, I don't know why, but I just feel like, you know, I can just hear Big Brother, you know, calling me to serve on my, like, weekly council. And, like, it just, there's just something about this that, that have you, really have you, have, you, have you ever done jury duty? I haven't. It's yeah. not that bad. I pretty much dodged it. I'll, but like, no, it's not that bad. You go in, they ask you some questions. Um, you say you, not guilty. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Basically, and then they let you go. Like it's not. Like they, it's, they ask, "Oh, what do you do?" Yeah, I'm a communist podcaster. Well, yeah. Stay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like it's, it's not like this tall tale. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta bring your iPad. So you have something to read while you're waiting to be called yeah. up. It's pretty like, mundane. If I, if I lived in, you know, I don't know, Starfleet dorms or whatever, you know, like whatever yeah. communes are like, like, you know, cockshot communes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can you say, can you get out jury duty by saying you're a sex offender? Yeah, yeah, I guess in cockshots communes, we'd be sex offenders. So, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, the planning jury thing is stupid, but I do think, I mean, yeah, you would, if you had like a glo- globally planned society, you would have like different people bringing forth like proposals for like what kind of plans that society would operate under for the next time period or whatever. I mean, like there, there would be kind of like broad like targets that you know society would have to hit collectively you know yeah i'm not against planning i just don't want to do it this way yeah i mean the jury's thing is fucking stupid because like you're i i mean like i think you pretty much have to put like the integrated plan as a whole to like popular referendum and not just like have some fucking jury i don't know that sounds stupid right and i mean and i think the progress and so this will be a feature of development of lower stage communism but the progress towards higher stage communism is our ability for administration to be integrated directly into the productive process. Right. Um, And I think planning in lower stage communism even comes out of the new organization of labor. And so not having, and so for me, like since freedom of labor dictates how all of the labor vouchers would work, dictates how, like why that would work in shortages you know why the incentives around that would be to make the the hardest and most technically challenging work um the most satisfying and the most rewarding in terms of social surplus um i think that having any duties especially duties that we are marking off as quote unquote political duties as this kind of separate thing by lot rather than by you're kind of uh but i mean to be fair there are decision making things though where it's like i just want it taken care of i don't want it to become like you you do kind of need to basically break those things up so you don't end up getting like these relationships of personal loyalty determining how certain how decisions are made in certain sectors like that's not that's not good (laughs) And if, if you anyone who's like I've sat through doing activism, I've sat through endless meetings and those meetings could easily be dominated by the people who just decide to go to all of them and sit through all of them and and get their way that way. You know, so you have to break it up. Yeah. Also, uh, to be fair to Cockshot, he does have like a national rep, uh, a referendum system basically done through phones. Where like people can just sort of vote on an issue in relation to like taxes and that sort of thing where you can just like sort of like uh you would get like a referendum question asking how much you would want in taxes and you would get to pick between percentages yeah Uh, there's supposed to be like a universal voting tvs and voting phones which sounds sillier in the 90s and harder to do in the 90s than it does now yeah, I mean, they do, so they the do the Sega channel. I mean, the television can have a dial on it. And when Big Brother announces that I can, you know, that the chocolate ration has gone down, first I can press my like like button and then I can 
uh, I, I don't know. It just there's something to me that makes this not incompatible with hell, and that's right. what's yeah. I I could see that, and like to the de- to the degree that you're whipping up a model, like could we could we do a better model of Gotha socialism? You know what I mean? Is like, or is this what Gotha socialism is? Or, or not to me, not to me at all. So, I, I really, and that's what I, I want to. Really, I will. Let, Lexi, let's write something. Yeah, yeah. Like, like seriously. Like, if if this isn't it, if this isn't embedded in Marx's idea, which it must not be. I, I just, I also have that feeling. Um, yeah, you know, let's well, let's let's see. Well, and of- and you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to trash this text though i i I only mention this stuff because it is a text that's bold enough to take on the issues of what a communist um what a communist and a lower stage communist world would look like and so i really only think that i get these pointed criticisms because it's ambitious and because it's taking on um what you guys were saying the kind of thinking we need to be doing which is you know what is the social process of making communism happen right because you know once we've seized the means of production then what you know and we need to actually have something so i I, you know i'm 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 with that i'm with that yeah this is a tremendously ambitious book this is maybe one of like i don't know if i'm thinking of like a few like really short succinct or like you know well-written like relatively short like succinct books that you would give a re- kind of newcomer or someone that's like just trying, you know, that's been marinating in the shit and trying to get their head on straight. Like this does seem like a pretty good, like, I don't know if introduction, but like, once, I mean, once people have felt know, if, if, I, I don't think about some of the right issues for sure. I, yeah. I, um, I mean, to be fair with the whole big brother thing and like, Oh, I, I don't, you know, like I think, you know, in a society, you're still going to have, like, duty-bound things that will exist. Uh, it won't be, like, compelled through force, but it'll still exist as this is the thing that you kind of have to do for society. Like, well, you I have think, to do it, but you... we're not going to, like, put a gun to your head, but this is what's expected of you. Well, like, in Gotha, in Gotha you, you do have to work to get yeah. a part of the the social stock. And I actually agree with that. And um, I don't think the basis of that is violence. I think the basis of that is uh, participation in in communal production. Um, But why I, um, but I, I think that having that system combined with the absolute freedom of labor, you know, maybe one hour's labor would be enough to get you your kind of almost like your UBI in certain fields, right? And and in other fields, not so much the case. And so right. there would be all of these different incentives around ways you could put in a very small amount of intense technically required labor, ways you could do things that are really satisfying to you for a long amount of time that might not make the most labor notes, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I really think that the ability to choose what part of production you're doing forces society to make certain changes to what's considered the worst work. Well, I think even honestly, I do think in, in lower communism, you or social or 
mid-socialism or whatever. Like a sort, if you did have a sortation system for election to councils or certain things or whatever, even just juries like you have now, I think, you know, like when, whenever like I've, I've had to go to jury duty like twice, right? And both times I was kind of like, oh, fuck, fucking jury. This is bullshit. I'm going to I'm gonna wear a Hitler costume there and I'll show them, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and but then you get there and you're like, you know what? This actually is kind of important. Like, you know, if, you know, a lot of these people in this waiting room are fucking stupid. And, you know, I'd probably be pretty I'd probably be a fair jurist person, you know, and, that uh, you know, people have a right to a fair trial. And, the, you know what I mean? Like. You, you do kind of feel like a set like a social sense of duty to try and not just completely like throw your throw your interview you know what i mean right like you have you have a sense of obligation to others and not just like a sense of obligation to others that really has been eroded by capitalism you know a sort of like republican virtue that you know you live in this society you have to contribute to other you have to contribute to a certain extent and you have to like have you know a sense of compassion kindness to others that sort of thing this society okay. this society actively weeds out that those values though and like it really the free rider problem goes off the rails in the society and you know people are like i think it is human nature to be pretty altruistic and giving but when humans kind of run into a situation where they're giving and they're not getting, they kind of just stop. And, you know, I've always wanted to have civic pride and civic duty. But when it comes to the institutions of the United States government, I can never actually bring myself to go to jury duty. Oh, I'm talking about under communism. Right. But Jake was talking about jury duty. And, and like, I know I know what he means. And I actually kind of, you know what, as, he, as he's describing it, I kind of want to here i kind of want to feel it i want to hear what liberals hear in the west wing's presidential speeches well it's not even that it's just like you know there's a lot of people in the court system and they get fucked because they pick people for the juries who are like robert robert steerman was just defending his community you know what i mean like so you kind of want to be on the jury so you can actually like see to it that like the right thing gets done you know yeah, I mean, I can respect that. I understand. But like, you know, I'm not sitting there like, yeah, I'm not sitting there like fucking that's not an indication of the justice system. Yeah, I actually understand where you're coming from, uh, Jake. Yeah. I, I think I think what I would say is that, you know, I don't think necessarily being chosen by lot is the only way to, to produce that feeling in a community. No, um, because it, I think what you're saying is it's amazing that we feel some tinge of that even in capitalist hell and so in a society that we were active participants in this self-production of i mean that you would probably feel immense pride in your in your being a member of the com of the communal group. Yeah, the, of the of the fucking council or whatever you are drawn up to Right. I mean, I I do definitely think like in a higher phase of communism, just like you wouldn't have money, you probably would have completely voluntary councils and like completely voluntary labor, actually. But how you I mean, how you how you distribute that and allocate that labor and stuff and stuff for debate, I think sortition is a potential tool in the toolbox, but that's the most that I'm willing to hardline claim on this. Yeah, well, I think, you know, sortition could be like sortition out of people who have chosen to be part of a certain, like, like, for example, we said like health or something like that, sortition of people who are trained in health. But also, you know, I think that we could accomplish the 
role of sortition by increasing, you know, if there's a part of labor that society desperately needs people trained for, we could increase the number of labor notes that you are, you know, how much labor hours you get for doing that. Right. Tech. Well, they, they, they explicitly yeah. argue that in here too. Yeah. Yeah. He suggests that because that's the major alternative to what he calls labor directives and what we know is forced labor. Um, yeah. Now he, he also, I just want to make this point. Uh, Right. Well, so I'm saying why divide the society in half where you have some function where you have some functions that are are done that way and then some functions by these like demarchic I think he calls them councils. Yeah, demarchic. He's taking after some I kind of have a problem with like paying people more in vouchers because that like if not done right it could cause like sort of an inflation and devaluing yes. labor labor and like he he basically from what I remember, he argues for like taxes for that reason, like right. you know, as a means of preventing that. So he hopes that people who go to industry that train for industries that are you know sorely need you know people to train for them, like that being able to get top work choice will be enough that we won't have to resort to labor directives or uh, you know like wage rents. Um, and, you know, I think that's wish, you know, it's like literally wishful thinking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like this, this is going to be a problem. That, yeah. That's, that's why I wanted like the secondary currency system is because like, at least with that, you can like say, offer something, you know, Hey, you can, you can get these little to token credit things to buy like, like you know stuff that you can't usually buy but it, yeah, you know, like, it cause like super inflation if we do like labor you know on labor vouchers and that sort of thing i don't know but i mean i think i think you could, do, you could deploy a mix of like yeah you would have basically the, an inflated labor voucher would be like you have to work fewer hours right to to, to exactly. meet to, to meet your needs so but there's a biological limit on that because you can't go below zero uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose, but so, so it's so. like, there'd be a thing where it'd be like, okay, if you want to, if you want to work in the, uh, the shit mines, mining human right. shit, like you only have to go in there for an hour a day to meet, to meet your, you know, whatever, or an hour a week or something like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like there, which would free you up to spend, you know, the rest of your time invested in what you want to do. I, right. I, ha I have to say that's much more attractive to me than forced labor. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you th yeah, you think? Yeah, forced labor in the shit mines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there is there anything we just want to cover? I'm gonna wrap this thing up soon. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah. I, I felt I I had just had some like lingering feelings when we touched on socialism in one country. I think we started to started the critique of like how would you make this in a McNairist kind of like uh, centrist Marxist or whatever kind of um, how would you put point that in that direction instead of this right socialist socialism in one country kind of you know direction mm -hmm. that he's going in yeah the bad Bukharan okay I think uh, I think that's about that's about that that's it for this week sorry about the uh, wonky audio we lost a couple of people's native tracks, so what you heard was a little bit of uh, olden times 
Swampside audio quality, because we riffed a bunch at the end from the Google Hangout. And some parts of the middle, too. If you'd like to support us anyway, you can subscribe to our Patreon, or just straight up send us some money through PayPal. The email for that would be swampsidechats at gmail.com, which is the same place you could get a hold of us. Check out our social media. Uh, leave us a good review on iTunes uh, if you want to support the show. Otherwise, uh, just keep on freeloading. You know, that's what I say. I don't, I don't even mean that in a derogatory way. You know, we're all about the freeloading life here. Alright. So, until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. <laughs>